0: This show is made possible by members and donors who sign up at bestoftheleft.com, and also by gotomeeting.com, green technology helping reduce the need for business travel. Now, welcome to the award-winning Best of the Left podcast with clips today from The Jimmy Dore Show, Media Matters, The Young Turks, La Show, The Majority Report, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, Counterspin, The Progressive, Citizen Radio, and Common Sense with Dan Carlin with a bonus video clip for our Apple, iOS, and Android app users from Jay Rosen. <laughs> Meet
1: John Tyner. He's
0: a 31-year-old
1: software programmer going on a hunting trip with his father-in-law. When he got to the San Diego airport to start his trip, a man from the government put his hand on his inner thigh and said this. I'm going to
2: place my hand on your hip, the other hand on your inner thigh, slowly go up and slide down. Okay. do that two
3: times in the front and two times in the back.
1: Yes, that was the man from the TSA letting John Tyner know if he wanted to go on a hunting trip, he was going to have to get groped by a government worker first. Well, that didn't sit right with our friend John Tyner, and he said this.
4: But If you touch my junk, I'm going to have you arrested.
1: And for that, they didn't let him fly on the plane. Mm-hmm. Which is totally ridiculous, because the last time I was at the airport, I asked them to please touch my junk. And they still wouldn't let me on the plane. You know what I like most about this? Is the graphic description of the pat-down before they give it to you? Sounds like a penthouse letter. I'm going to place my hand on your hip, the other hand on your inner thigh, slowly go up. Ooh, I'm going to put my hand on your inner thigh. I'm going to slowly move it up. Mm. I bet if you keep that tape playing, you can hear the TSA guy say, and tomorrow morning I'll take you out for a nice breakfast anywhere you want because you're my special little fella. You know, my question is, why the preview of the coming attractions? What is that supposed to, why do they tell you about the pat down? What is that supposed to do? Make it, does it make it any less awkward or awful? Oh, you're gonna give me a squeezer at 10 a.m. on a weekday in front of a bunch of tourists with their shoes off? No problem. Thanks for the heads up. Okay, here's the thing about this. Either travel within the United States is a right, or it's a privilege. If it's a privilege, fine, great. Let's get back to luxurious flights with great food and really hot flight attendants. You know, the ones we used to call stewardesses. You know, flying the way it was back in the 50s when it was prohibitively expensive. Can you imagine that? Imagine that. Feeling like just by getting on a plane, you are better than most people. And then they kiss your ass and pamper you like you're a gangster or a hedge fund manager. Instead of what flying currently is today, a a flying greyhound bus with smaller seats and a smellier bathroom. I'm just saying, if you have entitlement issues, take a Northwest commuter flight. Go ahead. And in just a couple of hours, you're going to get humble, my friend. Or you're going to get a victim complex, right, which is going to make you feel even more entitled. And then you'll probably act like a big douchebag, and then you're going to end up making somebody, I don't know, let's say a male flight attendant, lose his mind, cursing you out, going down an emergency escape slide and becoming the hero to millions. The thing is, I'm pretty sure flying within the United States is a basic right. I mean, after all, you're spending your money in the free market, and... Even though there aren't any regulatory agencies involved in the airline industry, it's not like they're issuing travel licenses the way the DMV issues driver's licenses, right? Although, wouldn't that be sweet if the people who are too stupid to fly weren't allowed to? Oh, okay, there's a bunch of people behind you, so you can't stand in the aisle. We're trying to get on. Can't stand in the aisle. You have to move it. Can't stand in. Okay, you're too dumb to fly. You have to give me your flying license. Wouldn't that be nice? And I'm not a constitutional scholar, but shouldn't the Fourth Amendment come into play here? The one against unreasonable search and seizure? And how about the implied right to privacy in the Constitution? Although I know it's not explicit on the subject, I'm pretty sure it would have a problem with forced electronic nudity, right? Or getting felt up by some embittered civil servant with six hours of training at an airport? I mean, I don't think Thomas Jefferson would be cool with having to be groped by some black woman he didn't know. I mean, one he didn't know. And let's remember, our pal John Tyner refused to search and he just wanted to go home. And guess what that can get you? That can get you arrested and fined $10,000 for not complying. Imagine if prostitutes work like that, because that's how my brain works. Okay, sex is $300, but if you don't let me give you a handy, you owe me 10 grand, and a bouncer's gonna work you over. And by the way, that's a pretty worthwhile discussion to have, don't you think, CNN News Team? Civil liberties versus safety? That's a good discussion, am I right? Well, here's how they handled it.
5: I, I understand his pain, but you gotta remember the underwear bomber.
1: Boy, aren't we lucky to always have a cable news person around to remind us that since terrorism, the Constitution no longer applies. And what made it okay in the CNN news anchor's mind for them to grope this guy?
5: Refused to go through the big x-ray check that shows you kind of naked. Yeah,
1: do- yeah, because he refused to have an x-ray text which shows you naked, and according to the CNN news anchor there. he's uh, He should get patted down and and felt up sexually by a government employee. It doesn't even dawn on them to ask the question or even have the debate between civil rights or or, or safety. And that's a debate we've been having since the foundation of this country. And instead of giggling at the don't-touch-my-junk guy and then sort of going, well, there's an underwear bomb here, so privacy's screwed. What are you going to do? Maybe you see this coming. Maybe you don't wait for a private citizen to challenge the government Maybe you question the government when they pass the laws or change the rules. Maybe it's okay to talk about something important before someone emails you a YouTube clip of it. For that great American John Tyner, this is Jimmy Dore reminding CNN that just because they're not talking about it on Facebook, that doesn't mean it's not news.
6: Matters Minute, I'm Jess Levin. Right-wing commentators have used concerns over new TSA security procedures to revisit their argument for ethnic profiling.
7: Look, it's not all their fault. I mean, one of the, one of the problems is they're not allowed to do what is obvious, what they need to do, and that's profile. Look, this three-year-old girl, uh, she probably is someone we can uh, just let go through, or the 80-year-old grandfather,
5: they all look alike. They're all foreign-born. They're all male. They're all between a certain a certain age group. Yeah, but there are some um, female suicide bombers.
8: And they- security
6: experts, including former Bush Homeland Security Secretary Michael Chertoff, agree that racial and ethnic profiling would be an unreliable and arguably dangerous practice for airport security.
5: This is where the party ends. I can stand here listening to
4: Michael Chertoff, uh, as uh, we've explained on this show before, has a lot of conflict of interest. He's going around the country saying all that we need all these security measures, and it's not just the body scanners at airports. It's also biometric measures, et cetera, et cetera. And it turns out he's a consultant for all these companies that do all of those different measures. And he's been on TV talking about it endlessly. Uh, and Huffington Post had a brilliant expose on this. Uh, showing exactly what his interests are, where he gets paid, and what he has advocated on
3: television. And he has um, the credit. Real quick, you didn't, uh, most people, I'm sure, know, But to make sure we get the the established the link here, he's the former uh, head of Homeland Security. So when he goes around the country uh, talking about what our deficiencies are and where we need to focus our attention, people pay attention and they take notice and they presume that it's coming from a dedicated public servant.
4: Right, and uh, Chertoff, of course, was the Homeland Security uh, chief for George W. Bush, a Republican, etc. So now, but it's interesting because he helped to defeat a, a Republican bill uh, that was against scanners, and um, and uh, Republican Congressman Chaffetz from Utah was upset by that, but he Chertoff rallied other Republicans to kill it. Right, and Ron Paul did not take Conley to this either. He spoke out against Chertoff. So all of a sudden. We've got a little bit of an internal fight here, and people speaking out fairly forcefully against the former head of Homeland Security under a Republican president. And then all of a sudden, Congressman Ted Poe comes in with a sledgehammer because he's a Republican. But listen what he says
8: about Shurtov, who's another Republican. Watch this. Mr. Speaker, a trip to the airport these days leaves Americans with embarrassing choices. Law abiding citizens can bear it all through a peekaboo body scanner or they can get groped in a pat-down search by a federal employee. Now that's a real choice. There's no evidence these new body scanners make us more secure. But there is evidence that former Homeland Security Chief Michael Chernoff made money hawking these full body scanners. The underwear bomber tried to blow up a plane over Detroit last Christmas. Shortly thereafter, Chernoff went on a media tour promoting the full body scanners. This former Homeland Security chief told everyone we had to have the body scanners at airports to be safe. Too bad he didn't disclose he was getting paid to sell these intrusive devices. Isn't that lovely? Meanwhile, the populace has given up more rights in the name of alleged security. These body scanners are a violation of the Fourth Amendment right against unreasonable sur- searches and seizures. There must be a better way to have security at airports than taking pornographic photographs of our citizens, including children, and Tell then giving them as kickbacks to political hacks. And that's just the way it is. Oh, damn.
4: <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Poe is not playing, yeah, whether it's against a Democratic or Republican opponent. Uh, but I was also amused by the fact that he called him Chernoff. Yeah, everybody. totally. So
3: one thing I wrote down: he's not entirely sure of who the former Bush uh, uh, Homeland Security chief was, but nonetheless.
4: <laughs> but hey, look. Overall, I'll take it. Uh, I think, look, there's a lot of nuance to this behind the scenes. Some Republicans want to get rid of uh, the TSA so that they can hire private security firms and find a way to get more money into the hands of. Uh, you know, private corporations, et cetera that's going to skim off the top, so there's a lot of nuance to this, right now, having said that, on calling out Chertoff uh, on what he's doing in his conflict of interest i'm totally on post side obviously
3: yeah, and I love any Republican who talks about the uh, uh, the Fourth Amendment to viola yeah. scanners are of the Fourth Amendment protection against unlawful search and seizure what, what?
4: Yeah, look, Ben, there's a lot of good news from coming from Republicans lately,
3: I'm telling you. Uh, they've rediscovered the Fourth Amendment. Yeah. Lovely. Right, great. God bless. Yeah. Go forward. Discover all the other ones too.
0: If you're like most Americans, you're dreading the idea of traveling to be with those you love this holiday season. Knowing that this time spent watching your children form memories that will last a lifetime is keeping you from the important sales presentations that really matter. With GoToMeeting, you can give an engaging presentation by showing your desktop via the internet to clients and colleagues. The software installs quickly and is so easy and effective that your meeting will be wrapped up before the tryptophan has a chance to take effect. Visit gotomeeting.com and use the promo code podcast to try unlimited meetings for 45 days. That's gotomeeting.com promo code podcast for this special free 45-day trial.
9: Tales of airport security. George writes, Dear Harry, this weekend I was dining in a restaurant at Seattle Tacoma Airport in Seattle. Best place to put Seattle Tacoma Airport, in my opinion. When I discovered an unattended bag under my table... A few moments later, I noticed that a group of three uniformed TSA agents were walking by. Wanting to catch them before they left my field of vision, I grabbed the bag and walked over. After explaining about how it was left unattended, the three agents began to awkwardly talk amongst themselves about who would deal with this sudden interruption to their conversation. After a few moments, one of the agents told me to bring the bag back to the restaurant and to tell the waiter to call the police. I asked if they could do that directly, and he just told me to return with the bag to the restaurant which was full of people. As I started walking back, they continued their conversation and walked away. It turns out the backpack belonged to a kid who had forgotten it earlier in the evening. I was able to give it back to him. Nobody was harmed. George san diego and now more on um, scanning and padding remember pat down is for now radiation is forever and on that subject u.s representative rush holt yes there's more than one american named rush he's a scientist and chairman of the house select intelligence oversight panel has written to the administrator of tsa reiterating his concerns about the use of body imaging technology, notably about potential health effects, and the effectiveness of the screening to detect the full range of explosive threats known or anticipated. Earlier this year, the Congressional Biomedical Caucus, Holtz, co-chairman, hosted a briefing by Dr. David Brenner of Columbia University on the potential health effects of the backscatter X-ray devices. According to Dr. Brenner, sorry, Brenner, the devices currently in use and proposed for wider deployment deliver to the scalp 20 times the average dose that is typically quoted by TSA and throughout the industry. Dr. Brenner has pointed out the majority of the radiation from X-ray backscatter machine strikes the top of the head, which is where 85% of the 800,000 cases of basal cell carcinoma diagnosed in the United States each year develop. According to Dr. Brenner, excessive x-ray exposure can act as a cancer rate multiplier. And on the other hand, we know the uh, opt-out suggestion fizzled. At Newark Airport, Airport, on Thanksgiving, the choice between a virtual strip search and a grope was strictly academic. Actually, on the day before Thanksgiving, the majority of Newark's full-body scanners were idle throughout much of Wednesday. That's according to a report from New Jersey News. Does that mean there were no threats to the New New Jersey area? Or they weren't working. Or it was just a way to speed up the lines. Don't know, do I? Tales of airport security. Ladies and gentlemen, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. And on a related subject, of course, uh, there has been all this talk about enhanced pat-downs. And uh, the media have gone... I'd say ballistic on the subject, while uh, totally ignoring the uh, the radiation matter. That's why I go ballistic on that. But um, I th- it's clear that the moment when um, that one individual, I believe in San Diego, man, San Diego's in the news, uh, reacted to the, uh, the imminence of an enhanced pat-down by telling a TSA screener, don't touch my junk, has become sort of iconic, for this whole story as the media has, uh, covered it. Now, of course you and I know that, uh, a testy confrontational approach to TSA screeners. R- as with Mr. Don't touch my junk just ends you up in a lot of trouble. I think he's, he was arrested. He's facing charges. Yeah. It's just, they don't, they don't take well to, uh, Testy, confrontational approaches, but you got to do something. So, um, here's it, it, it. I my suggestion is a little bit of psychological, psychological jujitsu. Turn the thing around. Well, I'm the straightest dude you'll find this side of NASCAR. I only kissed a man when I was drunk. But if I have to fly to Vegas or Madagascar, well.
3: Come on, baby, you can
9: touch my junk. Mm, come on, baby, you can touch my junk. My clothes don't draw the least bit of attention. No old baseball scorecards are all that fill my trunk. But if you have to fuel me up to earn your pension, I say, Come on, darling, you can touch my junk. Oh, yes, sir, darling, you can touch my junk. You want to do some fishing? That's just what I've been wishing. Got a fishing hole that's aching for a friend. Let my eyes do the talking while your fingers do the walking. We might meet again right around the bend. My wife and kids will tell you I'm no swinger. More into classic rock than bounce or crunk. But the disco ball's here if you make me linger. Come on, girls. Step up and touch my junk.
6: Oh, come on, girl. Take a chance and touch
9: my junk. That protest bit is just a pile of bunk. In that uniform, you're 18 kinds of hunk. So if what you're craving is a, an enhanced spelunk.
7: <laughs> oh,
9: come on, baby. Just touch my junk. Mm-hmm.
6: Oh Come on baby
2: just touch my junk. Sam Cedar with the majority report on the phone Samuel Stewart he is a communications liaison for the tSA uh welcome to the majority report. Uh, appreciate uh, your coming on
7: thanks a lot no problem at all uh, Can we get a little more volume
2: thank you uh okay so uh, mr. Stewart let me ask you uh a couple of questions here um you know there's a lot of uh, of talk about these uh Rap-a-scan. How do you pronounce the company? Is it Rapiscan or Rapiscan that developed these uh, these well, machines? It's, it's
7: more. It's. It's. Uh, you you got to consider a fruit or a vegetable. It's more ripe. It's. It's kind of uh, more pronounced with a ripe, a ray, or a ripe, depending on which regional accent you have. I think it kind of comes out differently, but it's Rapascan <clears throat> That's how we pronounce.
2: All right, thank you. Uh, Well, let me ask you this. Now, supposedly, um, uh, we were contacted because the TSA has plans to speed people through this process. Right. Tell me something. How do you speed people through a process if they don't want to go through this machine, which supposedly gives them cancer? How is it that that you intend to speed up the process, particularly, with all due respect, on opt-out day?
7: Well, uh, in considering opt-out day and our preparations for this, Sam, what we uh, what we at the TSA have done is to uh, explore several options to uh, try to increase the rapidity of uh, flyers, travelers, to get through the process uh, appropriately, uh, completely, and rapidly. And uh, what is going to require first and foremost for the flyers is to spend a little bit of extra time in CVS or Rite Aid or Walgreens, wherever they happen to get their, uh, their travel sizes uh, to, to, to travel with, and not only pick up their deodorants, uh, their toothpaste, Etc. The other sundry atoms will need to travel. They're also going to have to consider buying uh, sensual oils, uh, which now are coming packaged in uh, uh, travel size. Uh, you get a variety of different sensual oils. Uh, Wait a second. I'm oils. sorry.
2: Did you say essential oils or sensual oils?
7: Uh, well, they're uh, sensual oils are indeed essential oils when it comes to going through the uh, the. Uh, individualized uh, screening process which is the uh, the hands-on process that we're going to be administering uh, by by lathering oneself up and uh, and any other flyers that might be with the party uh, you're going to talk about a, a, a quicker smoother search uh, a lot of people are considering baby powder talcum powders like that that will not work what we're looking for preferably a scented this doesn't have to be a painful process for our travelers they got some some nicely scented, sensual oils, lathered onto the body, the entire body. This way, each one of our officers, each one of our agents, are going to be able to uh, thoroughly search your person, uh, ensure the safety of all travelers, and get through this process in a rapid and enjoyable way.
2: Wait a second, I'm sorry. Are you suggesting that people wear, like, 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 like like sex like sex oils to to for for, for what purpose
7: <laughs> you, you know it's a new age uh sam and 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 there are different uses for different products we're constantly evolving uh, as as consumers and as travelers and as people yeah maybe people might at one time have used these uh, sensual oils for intimate uh physical pleasure but in the privacy of their home but but this is war uh our freedom is at stake uh, our safety is at stake, indeed. Um, and and well, yeah, I, it, yes, that 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 would be a correct answer. But the use uh, of these particular items is different. Remember, in World War Two, tinfoil was used as a food wrap before World War Two. Once the Nazis began to uh, show their strength, we used tinfoil to build airplanes. So you're constantly changing up your game. A couple of the things. Your, your travelers and listeners might, might want to consider is wearing loose-fitting garments. Uh, also, CVS, Rite Aid, Walgreens, a lot of shoppers don't realize this. They have a clothing section. It's not a large clothing section. It's not the best... Wait, wait, so what's the purpose
2: of wearing loose-fitting garments?
7: Uh, access, primarily. That's where our agents will be able to access uh, any regions, orifices um, in the body that would be able to you know hold a stick of dynamite, um, you know, any kind of TNT or explosive powders, a lot of these things are going to be in areas that... So you're uh, saying
2: that, wait a second, let me see if I can get this straight, because this is starting to sound a little strange to me. You're saying that um, people can speed through the process if they if they wear loose-fitting clothing and, and bathe themselves and slather themselves in sensual oils.
7: Uh, and wear either thong or teaback back. Style undergarments. This just gives us more access. It speeds up the process. Uh, women have no problem going to Vicki's Secret, where my wife goes for me often, uh, to, to get her thong. Uh, men may not be aware there is a male version of a thong, sometimes called the banana hammock. Um, putting this particular garment not only on the adults, but the children. Is going to ease the rapidity of uh, the speed. A thong the
2: on children. Wait a second. I mean, all right. Is, is there is is there anything? Uh, uh, I mean, okay. So thongs on children and
7: and, and oils. Yeah. Adults, children, adolescents, uh, grandparents. Uh, this is not exclusive to just the uh, the parental unit. the, the adult grandma's got to wear one. Grandpa's got to wear one. Great grandma, if, if she's still living, um, grandmothers oftentimes still have slips. Uh, they're not. All right, all right. We don't slips. need to
2: get this detailed about it. Is there anything else that can help people as they go through the line that will help them in this process?
7: Uh, close your eyes, uh, breathe deeply and slowly, um, relax your body, um, and and uh, if any of nature's process begins to happen during the search, don't be embarrassed don't be embarrassed at all this is this is to be expected and it may be uh, an opportunity to know oh, uh, right. it's like getting a shoulder massage you know that we see in airports all the time you, you might get a, a, just a little bit of a a little bit of a, a a release so to speak uh, as you're going All right through
2: that's that's fine okay thank you i appreciate thank that
7: Thank you very much god yeah. bless america Yeah great States.
2: great thank you thank okay you, thank you for the call you're that's that's you're very
7: astonishing
2: Thank you, thank you. Thank you. Uh, Mr Samuels Stewart Stewart
7: SEWARD, S-E-W-A-R-D.
2: Yes Seward. all right well thank you i appreciate you you joining us to help us uh, move through the line i guess uh, on on opt out day
7: Slide through
2: slide through the line? God.
5: It's all right to make mistakes. You're only human inside everybody.
3: Here's your first quote. Well, don't worry about it. You should see what we say about you. That was uh, Secretary of State Hillary Clinton. She was relating the response she got from a foreign diplomat after a big document dump from what organization? That would be WikiLeaks. WikiLeaks, yes. This week we got uh, deeply classified state secrets. The lighter side. Thanks to WikiLeaks, we now know American diplomats behave much as we expected they do, like a bunch of junior high school kids texting each other under their desks during social studies class. It's like Us Magazine for news junkies. Oh, look, foreign leaders, they're just like us. (laughs) Kim Jong-il is fat. Sarkozy is insecure. Ahmadinejad is crazy. Also, and this may be the coolest one of all, Angela Merkel is, quote, uncreative. (laughs) German diplomats protested. That's not fair. You should see her one-woman show, the Vagina Merkelogs. <laughs> no, it's very moving. Really. I was just getting Milking Garrison Keillor out of my head, <laughs> and now I have the Merkelogs to deal with. It's about self-empowerment, damn it! Don't you go there. <laughs> this is. There's more. And more from the WikiLeaks files. Amur Gaddafi of Libya always travels with a quote voluptuous Ukrainian nurse who, quote, knows his routine, unquote. Yeah, she knows it. The rest of us can guess it. Um, these gossipy revelations uh, prompted outrage from other world leaders. Nobody told me we can get voluptuous Ukrainian nurses. What's going on? How,
5: um, how, how many were there that, they, that were available this time?
3: Hundreds of thousands of documents. Such and so one of them
5: really did say that Angela uh, Merkel was not creative?
3: Yes. And wow. a lot of these risk averse, risk averse. A lot of risk averse, risk averse. Oh yes. no, that's why I took her so long <laughs> to convince her to do her one-woman show. Um, but that's what it said.
5: It Just said Angela Merkel is uncreative. Was it in a context? Yeah, it was in the context of. So they uh, had been doing something together that required creativity. Yeah, they had been making collages. So they were apparently.
3: coloring they were or something. Around, yeah.
10: <laughs> but but these these are all these are all the sorts of uh, dispatches where the American diplomats are presumably sharing their deep thoughts and insights right. back home. That's what I'm yeah. saying, though, is how is this deep? Well, maybe, maybe the theory here is, okay, so how do we get to Gaddafi, for example? It's like, okay, he has actually four Ukrainian nurses.
3: Four Ukrainian nurses? Yeah, but, Listen, but his five, favorite is... Five would be excessive.
10: <laughs> so, so maybe the theory guy. here is, is that you embed an American spy pretending to be a voluptuous, blonde, Ukrainian nurse. Aren't we dear? You're voluptuous or you're not voluptuous. You don't pretend.
5: Uh, <laughs> Wonder bra. If you could pretend to be voluptuous, I believe I would be
10: pretending. <laughs> you, you have not been in a singles bar for years, have Did you, did you think I
5: look like this because I'm a stickler for honesty? <laughs> say it's free I'm gonna need a little
6: honesty
0: you can support this show at no additional cost yourself when you shop at Amazon after clicking through to their site using the Amazon banner posted at bestoftheleft.com. Better yet, click through using that banner once and then bookmark that page to use every time you shop. Your shopping experience will be identical to normal, but Amazon will donate around 7-8% to 8% of your order to this show without adding a dime to your bill. This doesn't take much effort on your part and costs you nothing, but makes a huge difference supporting the show. Thanks so much for your help.
10: I don't need no handshake.
5: Look in the eyes Don't tell me what you think One of the things we were supposed to learn from the Iraq War debacle was not to take a government claims at face value. It was odd, then, to see the way the New York Times treated one of the recently leaked WikiLeaks cables on November 29th. The paper refused to publish the cable, but it did run an article touting the explosive allegation that Iran had received powerful new missiles from North Korea, giving them, quote, "...the capacity to strike at capitals in Western Europe." close quote. But a look at the cable in question, which was posted on the WikiLeaks website, should have given the Times some reasons to be cautious. The cable recounted a meeting between U.S. and Russian officials. While the Times faithfully gave the U.S. case, it utterly failed to present any sense of the Russian side. Their intelligence officials doubted the very existence of these BM-25 missiles, and pointed out that North Korea had never been shown to have successfully tested them. Further doubts were raised in the December 1st Washington Post, which actually quoted a U.S. official downplaying the notion that any such missiles ever made it to Iran. And independent experts were equally suspicious of the U.S. claims. The Post pointed out that in the cable, U.S. officials claimed to have learned of this supposed transaction in a German newspaper, which actually hadn't reported what the Times and U.S. officials were claiming. We're waiting to see how the Times responds to these criticisms. In the meantime, the paper's big scoop has been picked up everywhere in the media, often treated as fact. The New York Times, a big story about an enemy's fearsome weapons, a total lack of skepticism. Seems like this has happened before.
11: Latest trove from WikiLeaks has a few startling revelations, like the fact that Hillary Clinton ordered State Department officials to spy on foreign diplomats and the head of the U.N., or like the fact that several Arab leaders urged the U.S. to attack Iran, with King Abdullah of Saudi Arabia telling Washington to cut off the head of the snake. But the Saudis don't come out looking too good themselves, as one cable reveals that Saudi donors remain the chief financiers of Sunni militant groups like al-Qaeda. Nice to know that the Saudis are still funneling money to Osama and friends. I thought it was U.S. doctrine to attack any country that was assisting al-Qaeda, but I guess that never applied to Saudi Arabia. We're not hearing much of an outcry about any of this from members of Congress. Instead, they want to go after WikiLeaks itself. Representative Peter King says WikiLeaks should be listed as a foreign terrorist organization, and other Republicans like Liz Cheney want the folks behind WikiLeaks prosecuted. But a democracy shouldn't be afraid of information. The more the better, as far as I'm concerned. It's no sin to let us as citizens in on things for a change. Actually, it's kind of refreshing to know what our government is really doing.
1: Where should I begin? The only thing I thought of was the end. It's a new wave
2: of ecstasy. Seeing things that you shouldn't see when they're right there under your skin. Think back, things I've tried.
10: Jim Treacher writes for uh, The Daily Caller, and Jim Treacher is famous for being hit by a car. Uh, uh,
3: That's not a hyperbole. He
10: was hit by Obama's, I think, security. They they didn't see Jim, or Jim darted into traffic or something, and he got hit by a car. Right. And then
3: he was like, so I'm going to become a writer now.
10: I'm going to go work for Tucker Carlson. Little known fact, if you are hit by a moving vehicle, that is your first thought. Yeah. I'm going to go work for Tucker Carlson.
3: Also, by the way, guys, he's on Twitter. It's JTLOL. If you make fun of him, he will respond. He
10: freaks out. He does not handle it well. I, and he tries to do the thing where he's like, I'm very above this. Yes. Uh, this, uh, you know, this isn't worth my time. But like you can tell he just he cannot handle being You criticized. can
3: literally hear the panic in his tweets. Yes.
10: So he wrote a blog post about how it's so absurd that Julian Assange's mother is upset that her son... Is people are talking about assassinating him. Yeah. It was and he goes, Julian Assange's mommy comes to his defense. And it's like, really? That's strange that his mother doesn't want him to be killed. To be
3: assassinated <laughs> by the government for trying to give us an open democracy.
10: But this is the kind of media that we're dealing with. The people like Jim Treacher and Tucker Carlson, who, mommy. who post this crap and they're like, journalism, you know? Yeah. So thank <laughs> God for people like Jay Rosen. So without further ado, here is NYU professor media guru.
3: Oh, uh, and uh, you can can visit him at PressThink.org.
10: PressThink.org. Yes, PressThink.org. A great, great blog, invaluable resource. If you're interested in anything that has to do with the media, here's Mr. J. Rosen. What's your response to the way the media has handled the latest WikiLeaks publications thus far?
6: Uh, Allison, you'll have to be more specific. What do you mean, handled? Uh... The, the WikiLeaks could you re- rephrase yourself sure
10: question? well it's sort of been like they've been portraying it at the same time as the greatest threat ever known to humankind and also that it's sort of um, frivolous you know that it's just gossip I think one site called it wiki gossip so yeah. this this simultaneous dismissal and then also condemnation
6: um well to some degree um, You can always find a range of responses like that within mainstream media, and sometimes it's better to look at who said what than it is to say, make these huge statements about the media. Um, But what, what I think is difficult for professional journalists to handle about WikiLeaks is that it's, as I said in my post about it, it's a stateless news organization. And it doesn't obey the laws of any one country. And it also doesn't conform to the press traditions of any one country. And it is radically independent in the sense that it it doesn't care if um, the United States government is after it. It doesn't care if it's respectable um, in a given press culture. And Um, The power of WikiLeaks comes from two sources, both of which are independent of journalists. The first is the Internet itself and its decentralized nature and the fact that it can root around any trouble. And the second is this appeal that WikiLeaks makes to potential whistleblowers, which is if you submit your material to us, we will publish it and we will encrypt the transaction so that no one knows who you are and so it's the if if none of the potential whistleblowers or people with stuff to leak did that wikileaks wouldn't be a factor but they do because they like that bargain and I, I, in general i think the press is just a little bit flummoxed by the appearance of a new actor that doesn't obey any of the rules of actors in the system now.
12: There was a
0: a year a little discount for you please consider signing up for a membership at bestoftheleft.com members even receive bonus audio and video content on top of the rest that doesn't make it into the final cut of the show so please again check out the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com thanks so much for your support
5: Finally, the WikiLeaks documents have been the dominant story in the media. Those conversations have featured a parade of establishment figures criticizing the website's decision to publish the leaked cables. Public television's guest lists have hardly been much better than commercial TV. And one comment from the Charlie Rose show stood out to us former Clinton State Department official Jamie Rubin declared that the WikiLeaks documents amounted to a, quote, attack against the American government's ability to conduct its foreign policy, close quote. And he
11: went on to say this. And ironically, the State Department are the people who are trying to do the job that the WikiLeaks founder says he's trying to do, which is world peace. It's not going to be happen uh, if the State Department can't make Secret agreement sometimes with foreign leaders.
5: Now, we were not aware that the State Department's job is to create world peace, but Jamie Rubin did work there, so he would know better.
7: The garment
5: of life,
7: be it tattered
5: and torn,
7: the cloak of the soldier is weathered and worn. But
6: what child is this that was poverty born? The
2: peace. Christmas Day The brush that bears the bright holly The dove that rests in yonder tree The light that shines for all to see The peace of Christmas Day
13: Let's get back to this idea about whether or not you have a right to know what's real. I think agencies like WikiLeaks changes that whole idea of your right to see reality and to then act upon it. Because my argument when we talked about WikiLeaks, which, of course, is the leaking agency, which will, you know, folks, this is the new reality. What I like about the government always telling us about the new reality when it comes to attempts to maintain any level of secrecy in your own world or any level of privacy in your own world, the government and officials from both parties will have no problem standing up and saying to you what they've said many times in public before, which is we cannot expect the same level of personal privacy. ...that we could expect in the past. It's a different world for all sorts of reasons... ...and you can't expect to be anonymous... ...and you can't expect to be untrackable... ...and you can't, you know, all those things. We hear it all the time, don't we? This loss of privacy among, you know, individual Americans... ...especially is something we talk about often on the program. But when you think about it... ...to me what WikiLeaks and all the people like WikiLeaks... ...that will pop up down the road show you... ...is that that same rule applies to the government too. They can't expect to maintain the same level of privacy and secrecy and security that they've always been able to maintain. The same genie that takes your privacy protections and throws them out the window, because it's a darn new world, isn't it? Does the same thing to the governments. There was an interesting piece in the German news magazine, um, Der Spiegel, and it appeared... um, But this is yesterday, so um, November 28th, 2010, and it's entitled, A Superpower's View of the World... And it's about the U.S. leaks that have just been published by WikiLeaks. And it talks about that same idea that this is the first... I mean, this is showing you what the world is really doing, no matter what the media is telling you. Um, You know me, I'd love to read you the whole thing, but I'm going to cut into the middle where it's gone on and it's showing you what a bunch of these... Translated because uh WikiLeaks handed this stuff out to several different media organizations. Der Spiegel was one of them. Major US newspapers were included, major European newspapers. And that allows those newspapers to filter out things themselves and kind of sanitize the message a little bit and maybe insulate insulate WikiLeaks a little bit. Um but at the same time. It shows how ridiculous the government's efforts to stop WikiLeaks are gonna be because all they have to do is leak those documents directly to some newspaper that's not in our country and not all that particularly, you know, inclined to do our bidding. You know, you could leak it to Al Jazeera if you want to. They'll break it and everyone else will pick up on it. So the government maybe can't expect the same level of security over its privacy that it once used to be able to command. So in this superpower's view of the world piece, um they go through a bunch of different Little pieces of almost, you might say, gossipy information that we found out from these State Department cables, which, from what I understand, are not of the highest secrecy category. Some of the military stuff they've released is, you know, top, top, top secret. Most of this stuff is just mostly kind of sort of secret, don't show the foreigners kind of stuff. So some of it's gossipy, some of it's about we don't like this guy, we like that guy, this guy's an idiot, that guy, you know, is uh, is really working with the terrorists, all that kind of stuff. But there's lots of stuff that shows what's really going on behind the scenes in a way that I would suggest Americans have a right to know. This is from the middle of the piece. Quote, With a team of more than 50 reporters and researchers, Spiegel has viewed, analyzed, and vetted the mass of documents. They mean the mass of WikiLeaks documents given to them. In most cases... The story says the magazine has sought to protect the identities of the American informants unless the person who served as the informant was senior enough to be politically relevant. In some cases, the story says, the U.S. government expressed security concerns and Spiegel accepted a number of such objections. In other cases, however, Spiegel felt the public interest in reporting the news was greater than the threat to security. Throughout our research, Spiegel reporters and editors weighed the public interest against the justified interest of countries in security. security, and confidentiality. The story continues. In a statement, a spokesperson for the White House condemned the impending publication of the documents by WikiLeaks as, quote, reckless and dangerous, end quote. The cables which contain, quote, candid and often incomplete information, end quote, are not an expression of policy and do not always shape final policy decisions, the statement reads. Quote, such disclosures put at risk our diplomats, intelligence professionals, and people around the world, the spokesman said. The fact that private conversations, quote, end quote are now being made public, quote, can deeply impact not only U.S. foreign policy interests, but those of our allies and friends around the world. End quote. Here's the key, though. Spiegel says, quote, it is now possible to view many political developments around the world through the lens of those who participated in those events. As such, our understanding of those events is deeply enriched. That alone is often enough to place transparency ahead of national regulations regarding confidentiality. End quote. What Spiegel is saying folks is what I said this is what the world really looks like and the news value and the, the public information value of seeing the world as it really is outweighs the decision of these people to keep that information from you they're classifying too much allowing you too small of a window of the world to view to get any semblance of reality out of that and a guy like James Burke might say That's just the way it's always been. Again, maybe technology has created the conditions to change that. Somebody just wrote me an email saying, always remember, you know, something to the effect of always remember how technology can be a game changer. In this case, maybe it's a game changer. And if you're on the side that was winning before the game changer arrived, it might not look that good to you. But again, am I a bad person for wanting to see the world more as it really is? I can't make myself feel bad about that. And that has a lot of you mad at me. There are two complaints that I get from a lot of these people that are really angry with me about the whole WikiLeaks thing. And if you don't, if you're not up to speed on this, I don't mean to be talking over everyone's head if, if you're not up to speed on the WikiLeaks story. I just have done so many shows on them lately, I'd rather not start at the beginning. You know, they're the international leakers organization. They do it online. Every government in the world seems angry with them. They've leaked all kinds of documents, but the main stuff that they're known for now is some of this U.S. national security stuff that was leaked by, they think, allegedly, a, um, a lower level, uh, U.S. army personnel, a guy named Manning. Okay. So, This is all part of the Manning leak. But WikiLeaks is giving away corporate information. They're giving away the information from other governments. And here's what this does. Now, as I said, there's two arguments I usually get from people that are angry about the whole WikiLeaks thing. One argument I get is that we don't need this sort of recklessness. That... The mainstream media breaks most of this kind of story anyway, that any of these stories that WikiLeaks um, gets you information on, you can sometimes find uh, uh, mainstream media, do- you know, uh, uh, entities and news outlets that tell you about this already. We'll see the New York Times talked about this a year and a half ago. They mentioned this. The difference between, you know, for the fact that the mainstream media doesn't talk about a lot of this stuff, but even when it does talk about it, what you don't have, folks, is the evidence. Let's say some newspaper comes out with a story that in Yemen, the uh, government there is telling their people that they're bombing the terrorists when, in fact, our government is bombing the terrorists with U.S. bombs. Let's say a newspaper comes out with that story. What's the U.S. State Department going to do? Well, if they're in on that story and they want to keep a secret, they're going to deny it. No, we're not. Those are the uh, Yemeni anti-terrorism forces are well trained and they're doing this themselves. And U.S. forces are not uh, occupying and, and involved in Yemen. Well, OK, now it's. The government's word against the newspapers, and even if the government knows darn well, a lot of cynical people won't believe their attitude. That is the reality of the world as they want to show it to you, and it's a he said, she said kind of argument. When you're WikiLeaks, you've got the document; they can't deny it. The proof is in the cables. Bingo, game over in terms of denying us the rights to see the reality. So the argument that people make that the mainstream media is on this stuff is not true. They're not on this stuff and even when they are on this stuff, they don't have the evidence because they won't publish it because that's the very thing that gets people like the people that are angry with me about WikiLeaks upset that they're publishing classified information. But the classified information is the proof that what these news outlets are saying is true. Now, the other thing I hear from people who are angry about the whole WikiLeaks thing is that we don't need to know this stuff, or, conversely, we shouldn't know about this stuff, that there are things that the people shouldn't know, and that's what secrets are for, and they're a legitimate secret stand, and we need to have some secrets, and you shouldn't know this stuff. It endangers lives, it endangers relationships, it endangers foreign policy goals. This is what we're talking about, though, folks, about the nature of reality. How much of reality do you allow the... I don't even know what to call them, Ben, the leaders of the world, the leading nations of the world, the leading elements of the world, the people who are in on how the world really works and the rest of us. How much authority do you allow them to decide to show us the way things really are, especially if we're the ones who are supposedly running things? I will totally grant you the need to have some level of secrecy. That's obvious. The question is, is what level's the right level? And can you really have the people who benefit from having the secrecy in charge of where that level is? Man, I mean, I just read a whole other book on investigative reporting during the golden age, late 60s, early 70s. We just don't do that anymore. We don't do that anymore. WikiLeaks and the you know people that will come after them do. And they're going to be releasing all sorts of corporate documents, all sorts of really private secret stuff. And you say, well, that's just an outrage. Well, to quote our government, In this day and age, to expect our former level of privacy and security to continue is unrealistic. And that doesn't just apply to you and me, but to corporations and to public entities. This is the thing about being a bad man if you want a WikiLeaks out there. But I want whistleblowers, and I've said it before I want them in our government. I want protections for them, which we already have to some degree. I want them. And whistleblowers are going to release information sometimes that's bad. But I want whistleblowers. You can't have whistleblowers who never release the wrong information. Show me when that's happened. You can't have whistleblowers that always keep the right secrets, you know, secret, and always release the ones that, well, this should never have been kept secret. It just doesn't happen, folks. You take your good and your bad with your whistleblowers. There's a lot of bad, I think, in WikiLeaks. I won't lie to you. I think that having no secret that's safe is is, is difficult. But as I've said on the discussion board many times, if my choice is to have the downside of a place like WikiLeaks gone, but not have a place like WikiLeaks, or have a place like WikiLeaks and know you're going to get this downside, I'm going to go quote a famous American who once said that he would rather be burdened by the effects of too much liberty than too little.
12: Hi, my name is Nathan Tickness, I'm calling from New York City, and I just want to respond to the education episode, and specifically the young Turks people and young, and they're completely wrong. Then what they miss is that we, that those on the left, on, further than on the left of them, on education, people who don't want standardized tests but want people educated, uh, using real things and using critical thinking, are not people who don't believe in evaluating teachers. We don't think that the tests, the standardized tests, are the way to evaluate teachers. They're, I go to a small, a small liberal, uh, alternative school, and my school has no standardized tests. We don't use textbooks. We get original sources. Everything from Howard's End to the Cato Institute. And I think that system of critically thinking about the things we're re- reading is so much better and so much, it's so much more intuitive and actually great educated people than systems to ridiculous standardized tests. I don't think any of those uh, people, like young, have ever taken a modern standardized test and seen how inane and stupid the questions are and how inane and stupid our education system is now. It's not about more test-taking. It's about actually teaching kids to critically think about the world. That's it. I love the show otherwise. <laughs> All right. Goodbye, everybody.
7: Hey, Jay, this is Phil out in Orlando, Florida. I uh, Love your show. Been a listener for a while. Uh, I had a charity I wanted to plug. Uh, it is absolutely not related to anything political or anything else. It is the Central Florida Pug Rescue. Uh, it's centralfloridapugrescue.org. Uh, who love, who doesn't love a pug? It's a little
8: dog. So we do about $50,000 a year in medical bills. We house, we home hundreds of, of pugs and stop backyard breeders and all that kind of stuff. Uh, check us out online if anybody wants to
9: donate or help us out with hospice or even adopt a pug. Thanks. Hi, Jay. This is Dan. I'm calling from the North Central Rust Belt. Uh, I was reading on uh, Facebook today about uh, how uh, you had been urged to uh, delete your sponsorship with Amazon. I immediately went online and uh, uh, subscribed to your program for $10 a month to help defray the cost. Kick the
7: bastards out. Thank you, Jay. Love listening to you, buddy. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks to all those who called in to leave a message to be played on the show. If you would like to leave a comment, question, activist call to action, or suggest a charity people should be donating to this holiday season, the voicemail uh, number to dial 206-202-3410. Now, today, I have uh, something to talk about because I got an avalanche of emails uh, about this, and by avalanche, I mean three, and by three... I mean, one real email and two emails that were sent anonymously through my website. If you want to send anonymous emails, uh, you can do that through my site. I hate it when people do that. I don't know why they do it, um, but they do. And so that's an option for you. But it, it definitely makes me uh, give a little bit less weight to what you're saying if you're not willing to say who you are. Um, so I got three emails. Uh, one of which I, I consider, you know, super real and legitimate. And uh, what all of these emails were telling me to do was to drop my sponsorship of Amazon.com in response to the fact that they uh, revoked uh, their agreement with WikiLeaks. Apparently WikiLeaks had been hosting their site with Amazon Something that genuinely baffles me. I didn't know that that was the case until Amazon pulled it, and um, and I was baffled as to why WikiLeaks would host their uh, website with an American company when they so often go after uh, you know American foreign policy uh, leaks. So that struck me as odd. But uh, what set all of this off was first the news that, that Amazon had done that. They had uh, apparently caved to pressure from Joe Lieberman, uh, you know, one of our favorite politicians, of course, and then Daniel Ellsberg of Pentagon Papers fame. He was the one who uh, leaked those documents that helped, uh, you know, bring about the end of the Vietnam War. He wrote an open letter, which is linked on all. It's everywhere. I'm linking it inside the show itself if you're on like a iPhone or something you should be able to look at your device and click it right now um, and it'll be on the blog post for this show I posted it on Facebook today and so on so he wrote an open letter condemning Amazon's actions uh, saying that he would be canceling his uh, you know canceling his card with their uh, store canceling his Amazon Prime membership uh, would never shop with them again and encouraged everyone to boycott Amazon. And so of course, uh, you know, being liberals as we are, people then said, hey, so Jay, you're a liberal dude, running a liberal show, you should probably join this boycott and uh, and not support Amazon anymore. And so a, a couple of days went by and I kind of uh, mulled this over myself. Um, I came to a couple of conclusions and had a couple of ideas And then I threw it open on Facebook. I posted something this morning, uh, the morning that this show is posted, December 5th. Uh, I posted something this morning, and by mid-afternoon, it had about uh, a little bit more than 50 responses uh, from in the neighborhood of 45 different people. So only a couple of people posted more than once. And the overwhelming uh, response from the people... Who uh, chimed in on the Facebook conversation was uh, there's no need to uh, to boycott Amazon. Um, you know, it, it's not that they weren't sympathetic to the idea. They just thought, you know, it's really not worth it. Um, the Amazon ad, like obviously, it helps run the show. Uh, it brings in some amount of income for me. So, uh, so people seem to recognize. Uh, you know, I guess in a really empathetic way that although it's, you know, maybe it's an OK idea to boycott Amazon. But for me, boycotting them isn't the same as just deciding to shop somewhere else. It's actually taking a pay cut. It's it's like I'm really uh, giving away a lot of money that uh, would be coming in. From Amazon, and when I say a lot, I, just, I actually mean it in terms of like a su- significant percentage of the m- amount of money I make. Uh, um, but to reiterate, like no one's getting rich doing this show. So, uh, so the overwhelming response from Facebook uh, users was uh, basically, "Don't worry about it." My thought on it is, um, I actually ended up having this really interesting insight. Uh, I do this every once in a while. I, I, sometimes I'll get insights into the media and it helps form my perception that the the media is lazy rather than like evil because I, I will like feel myself becoming lazy sometimes doing this show. And so I think, oh, like I'm I'm kind of a part of the media and I feel myself getting lazy. That's probably what happens to everybody else. And so when they are lazy in the media, that's probably why. It's probably not nefarious. It's just laziness. And um, and so I had a, a bit of an insight into why, uh, you know, Democrats and, the, you know, the professional politicians who are supported by progressives will often say disparaging things against uh, the people who support them. And that's the instinct I had because I'm thinking to myself, like, I'm doing this show. I'm doing the best I can. I'm trying to be as progressive as possible. I'm trying to get the news out. I'm trying to survive, I'm trying to you know pay the bills, and then I'm getting people writing me emails saying, you need to cut off this source of funding for yourself. And I think, oh, come on, come on guys, give me a break. And it's so irritating, but here's the reason it's irritating. It's because they're right. And I think, and that's the insight I had about, uh, you know, about like the Obama administration, is that they're so irritated with people like us because we're right. If we were wrong, it would be really easy to ignore them. In fact, someone wrote me an email uh, a a couple of months ago saying that I needed to join a boycott of Amazon that I genuinely disagreed with. I just, I didn't agree with the point he was making. And so I was, it was very easy. And uh, you know, I had great moral clarity being able to say, look, I don't, I don't agree. So I could, I could, uh, you know, brush off that criticism very, very easily. And it wasn't annoying to hear that it was just some, you know, one person's idea of what I should do. I had a different idea. I went with my idea. Now the, what's irritating about this is I agree with this idea of, well, Amazon kicking out WikiLeaks. Like that's kind of bullshit. I want to support WikiLeaks. Uh, I think what they do is good. Um, it, i th- think it would be nice if Amazon could stand up to pressure like that but fundamentally you know they're uh they're a business and they're gonna do what's what they think is right for them business wise i don't think they're making this decision based on politics so i don't personally put that much fault into them uh and so that's kind of where I come out on it but uh but so the question that I posed on Facebook and i'm you know, talking about it at length here because I'd love to get more input on this is um, I, I, so I put up a few questions one do you unequivocally support the boycott and encourage me to do the same uh, number two do you think that it's not a big deal at all and this discussion is kind of moot Uh, Number three, do you think that it's in any way morally justifiable to bring money into the conversation? Meaning, does it matter how much money Amazon ads bring to support the work of Best of the Left in light of the controversy? So if the ads brought in like 1% of my income, well, that'd be really easy. I could just brush it off and and not miss it. If it made up 99% of the income, well, then obviously that would be an enormous uh, sacrifice to have to make based solely on principle. And so where's the line uh, between, you know, keeping it and dumping it? How much sacrifice could I reasonably be expected to make for an issue like this? Um, And then number four, nothing is stopping me from speaking out against Amazon's actions and still advertising for them in such a way that like, hey, if you want to boycott them, feel free. I'm happy to tell you that the boycott is there. You can make your own judgment about it. If you want to boycott it, cool. If you don't want to boycott it, well, then you can still shop there in a way that gives me money. So I can, I can take their money and speak out against them at the same time. So maybe that's the answer. Um, and then number five, just if you have other thoughts or perspectives on this whole issue uh, that I didn't ask about, feel free to leave those comments. And so about, you know, 45 people have commented on it today. I wholeheartedly encourage uh, more comments. Uh, if you want to be like a part of the conversation, I really suggest you either do it on Facebook so that other people can see what you have to say or call into the voicemail line. Again, 206-202-3410. If you want to leave a comment to be played on the show, I'm happy to hear from everyone. The basic conclusion that I've come to is uh, it's it would be a significant uh, financial burden on me to, uh, to immediately take down the Amazon ad, uh, to try to replace that ad campaign with something else would mean uh, you know, probably multiple ads. I'd have to go find new places to advertise for, and I'd probably have to do this, like three to five different businesses uh, to, to try to match what Amazon is able to generate because it's such a giant place that, and that so many people use already that it's a really easy way for you guys uh, to support the show that way. So um, like, it, it really would be a, a substantial uh, burden to do that. So the compromise I've come to is I'm telling you about the boycott. I'm telling you that politically speaking, I generally agree that uh, that it's really unfortunate that Amazon decided to pull it. I think it was a business decision. Uh, businesses have to make those decisions based on what they think is going to be best for them so they thought it was going to be basically politically hurtful for them to be affiliated with WikiLeaks so they pulled the site if you want to make your voice heard and say it was politically damaging to them to cut their ties with WikiLeaks well then you can boycott them you can call them you can write them you can do all of those things and I I encourage all of that And all of that said, if you just, you know, if you're on the side that says, hey, I'm going to shop there anyways, well, then the least you can do is do it in such a way that if you're going to support the the business anyways, you might as well support me while you're at it. Um, So the ads are saying, and we'll move forward from here, but at least you know my perspective and my stance on it and uh, hopefully understand. So that's it for today. I want to thank a couple of members. Uh, Kitwana T signed up for a monthly membership back on September 13th, and uh, Sarah D signed up for a yearly membership on October 22nd. Huge thanks to both Kitwana and Sarah and all of the members who uh, make the show possible. You know, regardless of all the talk about, uh, you know, different advertisers and and things like that that uh, make a significant difference in uh, helping to support the show, still... Uh, head and shoulders it is still the members that really uh, are are the foundation on which uh, this show is made so let's be totally clear about that and and know where the real bread and butter is Um, so that's that's fundamentally why you know like since you guys you as the listeners are the fundamental base of the show uh, that's why it's important to me to be responsive and when I say I get three emails and it feels like an avalanche, like I want to be responsive to you guys and make sure you know where I'm coming from and make sure that you know that you have the chance to uh, you know, respond in your own way and have your own thoughts about all these things. And, and we'll try to work things out the best way we can that's uh, suitable and agreeable for everyone. So coming to you from far outside the conventional wisdom of Washington, D.C., my name is Jay, and this has been the Best of the Left podcast, coming to you 10 times a month. Thanks entirely to members and donors to the show from bestoftheleft.com. On a shiny the only maker
5: that you is the floor, will take you out any open door. This is not my life, it's just a fun fact.